now. This week in sport history. February 7th, 2015, in one of the more unusual games of high school basketball you would ever hear about, Bibb County defeated Brookwood High School 2-0. Yep, you heard that correctly. 2-0. Brookwood had beaten Bibb County early in the season 40-36, but this was a very different affair indeed. This was Brookwood's fourth game in a week, and in the previous game, some of their players had been cramping up in the fourth quarter, so they decided to rest during the game as much as possible. Bibb scored on the opening possession of the game when Brandon Rutledge put back an offensive rebound after one of their guards missed a three, and then the craziness started. Brookwood began running their Princeton offense, constant motion, backdoor cuts, screens, on and off the ball, that kind of thing, except no one was cutting to the basket, or even looking to score. Bibb was in a zone defense, and Brookwood kept trying to lure them out of it, but Bibb had the lead. Why would they change anything? Brookwood coach Thad Fitzpatrick instructed point guard Zach Lee to just hold the ball. And Bib coach Russ Wallace was happy to let them. Wallace was sure that Brookwood was just messing around, but no, they weren't. Now, it is very much worth noting at this point that the state of Alabama did not have a shot clock for high school basketball. Brookwood missed a shot at the end of the first quarter, then had possession to start the second, which they dribbled out before missing another shot at the end of the half, leading to a scoreline of 2-0 at the main break. Wallace decided at halftime, to hell with it, we can play this game too. So Bibb's point guard dribbled out the entire third quarter before clanging one to end it. Brookwood started the fourth with possession, and the dribbling began again. With 15 seconds left in the game, Brookwood turned the ball over and Rutledge went for a dunk to put the cherry on top of a pretty average Sunday, or perhaps an olive on a shit sandwich, <laughs> but lost control of the ball, giving Brookwood's Dave Jenkins a chance to fire up a 30-footer at the buzzer, which was off the mark. Both coaches were surprisingly positive after the game, Fitzpatrick was quoted as saying, think of it this way, we held them to two points. Two. What more could you possibly ask for? Maybe a win or an entertaining game? Holding to nothing. <laughs> While Wallace made the point to his players that they had done the unthinkable and shut out a team for an entire game. This was the lowest scoring game in US high school basketball since Durham Hillside beat Roxborough Person in North Carolina in 1977 and was the first recorded game in Alabama where both teams were in single figures for scoring, aside from forfeits which are listed as 1-0. Suffice to say, it inspired discussion about the need for a shot clock. A few days after the game, Michael Williams, former student of Wallace's and an offensive tackle with the Detroit Lions, messaged Wallace simply saying, really, coach? 2-0? Really? Something new we wanted to try out this week, and it's a very happy birthday to two top-quality female athletes. A happy 49th birthday to former professional basketballer Michelle Brogan, and happy 32nd birthday to American professional surfer Bethany Hamilton. So why are we highlighting these two? Because we've run out of stuff. For, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, Brogan was one of my favourite players growing up, even though she played for my team's biggest rival in the WNBL. And Hamilton's probably one of the most inspirational athletes out there, full stop. Oh, no kidding. Crazy story. So starting with Brogan. So as a kid living and growing up in Perth, there were really only two basketball teams I supported early on, the Perth Wildcats and the Perth Breakers, as they were known then. The Breakers had this amazing team back then, led by Michelle Timms and Robin Marr. They even had a young Tully Crook, later Tully Bevilacqua, and they won the 1992 championship under Tom Marr before Guy Malloy took over. Anyway, we had a number of rivals growing up, but for some reason, the Adelaide Lightning were the ones I just I struggled with the most. They had this crazy team led by Rachel Spawn. She always seemed to take over games, but I think Michelle Brogan was the most important player on that team. She had this ridiculous iconic move where she would come to a jump stop and take this really good step through for a layup or whatever it happened to be. The Brogan signature. The yeah. Brogan signature. Yep. And 
for whatever reason, nobody could stop her. And it always came up in really big, high-pressure situations that she would make this play. She was a massive part of Adelaide's three-peat in the mid-90s, including a finals MVP in 96, and also as part of the Sydney Flames Championship in 1997. She represented Australia at the Women's World Championships in 94, the Atlanta Olympic Games in 96, where they took out the bronze, the Sydney Olympic Games in 2000, where they took out silver, and then a couple of other world championships in 1998 and 2002. To round it out, she played this amazing little two-season cameo with the Phoenix Mercury, averaging eight and a half points and four rebounds a game and 1.3 steals. Yeah, well, had the WNBA been a bit bigger a bit earlier, she probably would have played most of her career there, but it was just the timing. It was, it was. She shot a very handy clip. She was 50% from the field, just under 40 from three as well. So an amazing player, someone I always wish the Perth Breakers could have coaxed across. Now, Bethany Hamilton's story starts earlier than most. She was already a surfing phenom by the age of 13, when a 14-foot tiger shark took her entire left arm off. Now, along the way to the hospital, she lost 60% of the blood in her body, went into hypervolemic shock. Amazingly, though, at the hospital, she was actually taken into the operating theatre that her father was meant to be going into for knee surgery. Wow. So, yeah. I didn't know that, or I forgot that. Doing that for the family. Crikey. It would have been so easy for her to just play the whole woe is me card, especially in a sport where balance is such a massive part of what you do. But yet she was back in the water a month later. And within two years, she actually won her first national surfing title. Absolutely inspirational. At 17, she achieved her dream of surfing professionally. And along the way, she placed third at the Roxy Pro on the Gold Coast at age 18. She finished 14th in the world for the year. So a pretty impressive ranking for somebody with one arm. Yes. She placed second at the World Junior Championships in Sydney in 2009 and placed first at the 2014 Surf and Sea Pipeline Pro at Banzai Pipeline in Hawaii in 2014. It's one of those ones, the more you think about it, the more it defies belief. It does. Go and watch some video because it's crazy. I mean, you... Pushing up like... Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Now, I'm a massive fan of the TV show The Amazing Race and she and her husband Adam appeared on season 25 of the show. The obvious questions emerged early about how well she could do given this big disadvantage i'm using air quotes on this it was that little a hindrance that they actually came third overall in the race they were leading coming into the final challenge wow they were doing that well they won three legs they came second another four times they absolutely kicked its ass and she was in everything and one of, of the best teams teams yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. she honestly i remember watching this and just thinking a lot of these people are struggling to do these tasks with, with two and she's got one yep Yep. Oh, inspirational. There's no better word. Just crazy. That is it. Two very, very inspirational athletes and a happy birthday to them both. Indeed. This week in sport history. Thanks for listening to this Sport Blokes segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter at Sport Blokes. 